obsessed about that boy and you were gone. I wake up cutting so think of you tomorrow, guy. Boy, yes, I'm a toy Wind me up and watch me go Stick a needle in my eyes Stick a needle in my thigh Watch me grow, watch me grow 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 Watch me grow, watch me Can you think of something better for me Welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. It's Friday, May 26th already. We are approaching the end of the month. Hope everyone is doing well, or as well as one can be, given the state of the world. And if you've been listening to the show for the past few years, you know that the state of the world has always been a little bit problematic, and that's putting it mildly. So that's where we are at the moment. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll be joined by Azalia Martinez in a little bit. Big thanks to J.D. Buell for coming in this morning with his show, Morning Train. You can hear that every Friday at 10 a.m. After our show will be Women's Magazine with Global Val. I believe Val is off this week, though. However, we'll be playing an older episode, if that's the case. And then following that is Common Thread Collective with Diamond Dave and Global Val. Waking up a bit here. On this Friday afternoon here in San Francisco, a lot has happened this week. Trigger warning, uh, this show we talk about current events, news, what is happening in the world, how people respond, and thankfully some positive things that people do to respond to the chaos that we have been born into. And a lot of these systems that are in place that are really deeply 
oppressive and problematic were here before many of us, all of us got here, really. So what can we do to create alternatives? And so these institutions crumble. That's a positive way of looking at it. One can burn things down, and then we need to have something else to go to in the meantime. So what can we create? What are things that we can create? Places and ways of being and behaving and being there for one another that is different from what we have right now, where everyone's needs are being met. How can we do that? Is that possible? Let's talk about ideas. The phone lines are open here. We have a new phone in the studio. Very cool. Big thanks to Pam and all the folks who they did a little remodeling of the studio, cleaned it all out. It's much more spacious right now, so that's great. You can call in 415-550-0511. Let us know your thoughts and ideas. All that, all these good things. We have some positive news articles and also some news articles that might make folks feel a little bit sad and depressed. And that's the way things are. And if we don't confront what's actually happening, then we don't really have a chance or a choice to fix them. So that's why we talk about what's happening. And also to find patterns and see how everything is connected, because things are connected. And also take a look at history, too. There, there's been a history in this country of folks rebelling and wanting to change things for the better. And there's been a lot of oppression and a lot of silencing and a lot of miseducation. So a lot of history hasn't been taught or in alternate history has been taught where we don't hear about the movements. We don't hear about group dynamics and solidarity building and the labor movements, for instance. Instead, we were taught a lot about leaders and individuals instead of actual movements and groups of people. And why is that? Why is that? That's kind of a rhetorical question. It didn't sound very rhetorical coming out of my mouth, but that's the intention. That is the intention. So, in Belgium, 9,000 people marched against 45, and that's pretty great. And if for some point in the future this exists in some realm, uh, a reminder that 45 is the name that folks have given the current person who is... (laughs) I can't even use the word. I mean, how does one even use the word? He's not a leader. He's this person whose name can't even be mentioned because he's so disgusting. And just a long comes from a long line of really entitled, racist, oppressive, sexist behavior. And now this person is given even more power and more control. And many people are rebelling. So uh, around the world, he is not, he is, he's despised. And he's every... Every day there's something new that that this person does, and a lot of it's very... Repre- and also recognizing it's not just this person, it's a lot of what he represents. This behavior, this entitlement, this literally shoving people aside. It's very it's very much what's, uh, what America is. It's this idea, or it is, is seen to be, this idea of kind of pushing other people aside. And it's just gross. And it doesn't represent the people. Yet, what do we do when there's someone who is supposed to represent us, who many of us despise? How do we, how do we change that? So 9,000 folks in Belgium marched against him, which is great. And can we get like 9,000 people here in one city? I think that would be wonderful. And sometimes we do. We get thousands of people. I would like to see more, especially here in the Bay Area. There definitely are folks who come out, and I think we need more of it. We need more folks in the streets, and I recognize that not everyone's able to. For the folks who are able, though, come out. Come out on the streets. Show your show your voice. Show your show your solidarity. There's every time, every single time there's a protest or a march, one walks down the street and there are people who are in support 
and don't join in for whatever reason. And then there are the folks who seem to ignore it or want to ignore it or to pretend that it's not happening. And I think that's the that's the issue. It's like people who who want to pretend that whatever is happening isn't happening. And that's deeply problematic. So wanting to make that statement. So perhaps we can get to the 9,000. Can we get to the 9,000 people in the streets in the Bay Area for an anti-45 and his whole regime rally? Can we do that? We have a lot of people. There's a poster that will be put up very soon. And it's it says that there's 18,000 homeless people in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. And then they're saying, is that enough for a revolution? So imagine what that would look like. There also have been a number... I'll be hopping around a little bit here. There is also... There have been a number of fires that have been set at encampments in Oakland. So there is a lot of... Not only is homelessness and poverty criminalized, there are actual attacks on homeless folks, and that's pretty disgusting. So we're needing to take care of that and to fight back against it and also to mention that this is what's happening and we need to fight back against it. So Azalia is here. Hello. Yeah, if you'd like to get a mic. This guy. Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah, right behind you. Yeah, they cleaned up the studio a bit. So Azalia is here. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah. I found a new place this morning. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Replacing a cellist. Oh wow! A cellist. a cellist replacing a cellist. Exactly. I'm excited. Excellent. Congratulations. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Good morning. Oof. So. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Sounds great. Hey. How's how's everything? Oh, I'm actually feeling pretty good, yeah. and I'm always, you know. Knocking on wood when that happens. Yeah, right. Like, how long <laughs> will like, this last? No. What? Yeah, how long will this last? What's the catch? Oh, no, so pessimistic. <laughs> I was watching an episode of something where he gets really upset when someone points out his happiness, because once you point out that you're happy, it's yep. only a matter of time before you're sad again. Pretty much. And I'm like, yep. Ah. That's how it is. So like, I like, Don't tell me I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't just, like to talk about it. Yeah, just let it be. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah. So how is how has your week been? Pretty good. House hunting. Yeah. Uh, I found a place to sublet for a few months, nice. which is fine because it's with a bunch of artistic people. Oh, wonderful! And really close to Bart, and it's really cheap. That's great. It's almost what you pay. Okay. <laughs> oh, like, right on. But on the other side of the bay, but you know. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, stable housing helps a lot. Yeah, seriously. And I'm taking over one of her uh, students, hopefully. Oh. Oh, cool. I know. I was like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that there are good things that still happen. And it's really important to remember because it's easy to get overwhelmed, especially mm. reading all the news. It's like, oh, this terrible thing happened. This uh, awful thing happened. Yep. There's this disaster. There's this attack. Yeah. And it weighs on you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just after putting a little down payment, I like had this weight lifted. And I was yeah. like, oh, I had no idea how much that was affecting me physically or emotionally yeah. and physically. I just, you know, it's like, mm, I need to find a home. Didn't really put much thought to it, but it puts a lot of, you know, I don't know, a lot of stress on people. Yeah. <sighs> Moving sucks. Yep. Yes, it does. As someone who's, I've moved quite a bit, it's, it really does. <sighs> There's that emotional stress. Oh, yeah. So, oh, Psychological God. and the physical part of it, too. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Can only imagine. That's probably why all the city is stressed. Everyone is just newly moved in or moved out or Yeah, or afraid of having to move out. Yeah, exactly. It's always oh god. There's that fear of like what's next? <laughs> yeah. It's it's so scary. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who have to move constantly because they just renting increases happen all the time. Yeah. And I'm like it seems like almost every other month they're like, So who's gonna help me move? I'm like, Oh god. Yeah. I was thinking about that. So no one has cars here either, so it's yeah. Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> how've you been? What'd you do? When this we when <laughs> this past weekend? Oh, this, uh, yeah. oh, this week. This week's been good. Yeah, we've been busy. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I'm acting so coy. I know. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> no, this week's been good. Um, I have a flyer that's in my backpack, which is not right by me at the moment. Mm-hmm. There, it's the. Um, it's like this. Oh, I want to give the official. Uh, name of it. It's, it's like pretty much like a, it's like a sex worker film and art festival that's mm. happening. It started a few days ago and it's happening until the twenty eighth. Mm. So they've been playing films and having discussions and panels and and lots of Ooh. really awesome events. That's awesome. So I went to a screening of a film. What was that like? It was awesome. It was a documentary and it was at City Hall. They had it in one of the rooms in City Hall and it was mm-hmm. called No Human Involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm going off memory right now as I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah. I've been doing the show for three and a half years, <laughs> going on four, and sometimes I'm, I'll get it. I'll, I'll pick it up the program before yeah. the end of the program to talk about more about. Mm-hmm. And it was called No Human Involved and it's pretty much just about the criminalization mm-hmm. of sex workers and mm-hmm. how in many cases sex workers cannot well this this film in particular was about a person who was picked up by the police and then this is in arizona where there's they're pretty uh yeah. was, sent, was sent to prison pretty much for being a sex worker um yeah. for she was kind of coerced into offering an office undercover officer a blowjob uh-huh. was arrested was kept in a cage outside um was not getting f- water or food uh-huh. and it was like really hot outside and she died Oh, man. That's a very abridged version of what happened, and this yeah. is just one example of a lot of what happens. Yeah. And this happened, so Jan Brewer, who's someone I choose, to, I try to forget, she was the governor of Arizona and is super terrible, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of prisoners in Arizona who have died, and because the person who's in charge of the correctional office, corrections in mm-hmm. Arizona, mm-hmm. the same person who set up Abu Ghraib in Iraq. Oh, God. So literally the same person who's setting up torture camps in the Middle East mm-hmm. is the same person who is setting up the jail system in Arizona. And so there was like an increase as soon as Jamber of... appointed this person. Oh, God. So this is just one example. And then, of course, oh. as sex work is criminalized, if mm-hmm. someone if, who does sex work is, is hurt mm-hmm. or attacked they can't report it they can't report it because then they can also that can be somehow held against them or any oh, yeah. number of other reasons oh yeah and oftentimes it's the cops who are attacking them exactly they're taking advantage yeah they're taking advantage of the ones that are supposed to protect them <laughs> yeah no no yeah, yeah it's no. it's so sad that oh god i can't even begin to imagine <laughs> so i mean for the fact that you even have to th- like i think a lot of people that have been at the you know at rock bottom a lot of women have thought about doing that for a living you know that's kind of like you know it's not the first thing most people want to do so the fact i mean they're obviously being taken advantage of because they know they're they're weak and for the most part people that are in sex work they usually start at a really young age and they're just brainwashed um, and yeah <laughs> i would actually i would actually disagree i've met yeah? like a lot of folks who who do it and they are like they love it. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say I, I can't speak for them. I just in terms yeah. of like the empowerment and like, oh, yeah. these are some of the, like most fucking generous, yeah. kind, fucking awesome, badass mm-hmm. 
righteous people I've ever fucking met in my life. Oh, yeah. They are usually amazing people, but then they get taken advantage of by police. Not always, hopefully. I mean, hopefully the ones you're talking about, that doesn't happen. Well, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to anybody. But, I mean, I've known a couple of kids growing up that like got into that at like 14 15 okay. and had like pimps that were like I you see. know 40 and they're 14 oh, wow. okay and so i got to see well i mean that's just one or two instances sure, sure. obviously so i'm like from her pers- thinking i i always think about her too because she's the one that really introduced me to that world at a really young age i mean I hope most 14-year-old girls don't really need to... I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's also the, the difference yeah. between like, if, like mm. people who are trafficked and people who don't have the agency yeah. over, or people who don't have options, or yeah. as many options. And I also want to yeah. recognize I'm... Please yeah. call me out if I'm saying anything that's incorrect Please, or problematic. Yeah. And I know I'm like, teach me too. Because I'm like, I yeah. only know a couple Let's, instances. And I'm going to walk stuff. over and get the program because that's going to have more information and yeah. better language than I'm using at the moment. Yeah. I I'm like, really, let's get this. Let's get this right. I want to be very aware of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm curious. Yeah, I know. I definitely have been more into their rights, of course, because they were exploited so much. I think that's not how it should be. So yeah, I love when they take power. It's right. Yeah. So Thank you. The, <laughs> the, the tenth biennial San Francisco Bay Area Sex Worker Film and Art Festival. So it's May nineteenth to the twenty eighth, and you can check it out online, sexworkerfest.com. And there's a whole pro- it's a beautiful program. Lots of great things happening here. <laughs> and so today is the 26th, so tonight at 8 p.m. at the Center for Sex and Culture, there's a performance artist, teacher, film director, coach, radio host, Javelin Richards presents Strip In Down to Story. Nice. And so, and then there's the, on Saturday at the Roxy, there's going to be the Film Fest, and that's uh, documentaries. Uh, it's also the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. There's like so much here, and I really want to give it justice. So please go to sexworkerfest.com, yes. and I will also pass along this to you yes. if you'd like to take a look. Definitely. There's just a lot happening. And then on the 28th on Sunday is Whore's Bath. If you go to whoresbath.org, and that's for current and former sex workers only. The yes. Whore's Bath is a spa and healing event where sex workers from all of our communities can be pampered, pamper each other, and reclaim our role as healers during our closed event Whore's Bath will feature practitioners from various healing modalities, from herbal treatments to massage to Reiki, acupuncture and healing modality. Uh, 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 <laughs> acupuncture and more, as well as tarot readers, food, asana, and much more. And this is for current and former sex workers only. So that's oh, 2 to 8 p.m. on Sunday, May 28th in the East Bay. Beautiful. So yeah, if you go to whoresbath.org. And there's just a whole lot of things happening. So again, check out sexworkerfest.com. And... Grateful that this is happening. Yeah, seriously. I know I've heard all about this, but I was wondering exactly. I'm like, I can't go to this. Can I? I want to. I know some people that were going to yeah. it, and I was like, Am I allowed? I don't oh know. yeah, I think it's for the. I mean, for other not mm-hmm. not the or I think just for like there's like films and other things that are happening. Yeah. In the next no, place. like specifically the horse bath oh, yeah. one. I was like, that is awesome that that exists. Well, one can <laughs> volunteer. And yeah, that's so. what my friend was saying. Like oh, anyone yeah. who wants to volunteer, I'm like, yeah, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but no, definitely. 
so many good things mm-hmm. and i think just also just empowering yeah like, totally and exactly and also just yeah. like for edu- yeah that flyer is um for like one of the films that's playing on saturday oh sweet. you're welcome to, to speak about that if you Beautiful. want to read, read that on june 3rd 1975 140 prostitute women occupied the church of saint nizier uh sorry if i'm saying that wrong one of the main churches in the center of Lyon, france a banner was hung over the church facade our children don't want their mothers in prison the occupation was sparked by the brutal torture and murder of sex workers and a police crackdown instead of going after the murderers the police were handing out two to ten cent fines or uh, a fortnight and threatening women with prison uh, within weeks churches had been occupied all over france including in paris the church occupants sparked the modern day sex workers right movement uh, and that premieres here at the roxy theater yeah, Saturday, May 27th. Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. So this started back in the 70s. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's lots of lots yeah. of good stuff and good education. Yeah, and, yeah. definitely. See? <sighs> I that. I know. Yeah, so there's positive things happening. Yes. You know, folks fighting back. Yes, I love it. And organizing. Oh, it's awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, that was like one thing I did this week was just he- check out one of the, the screenings. Yeah. So that oh, was good. Beautiful. What did I do this week? Worked a lot with my kids. Found a place to live. Finding a place to live, that just took that, a lot of my mental capacity. Yeah. <laughs> hats off. Took a lot you. of naps. Naps are great. <laughs> yes. Gonna go back to school. It's gonna be fun. Oh, excellent! Yeah. What do you? What will you be studying? I'm gonna get. I'm taking one last math class. Okay. And I'll be an art and humanities major. Oh, awesome! <laughs> so pretty much liberal arts, but they call it art and humanities. Liberal arts. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna do a little bit of everything. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I know it's exciting. Finally. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But gotta keep going. That's why I found this place, too, because it's gonna be a really nice place to be able to concentrate. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of artsy people that keep to themselves, kind of, so... Yeah, I can lock myself in my room, but yeah. still feel connected to cool people. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's nice. That it's sounds nice. excellent. I know, right? <laughs> so what's going on in the world today? Well, let's see. I kind of went over a few other stories this morning. Yeah, and I know. And this morning, I mean this afternoon, because we don't really start until noon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am not a morning person. I had yeah. an audition <sighs> a few days ago, and it was at 9.45 in the morning, which I recognize for most people is not that early. Yeah. For this guy, I mean, I biked <laughs> over there, so I thought by the time after a half-hour bike, bike ride yeah i would be like and, uh, and it was just traffic in the mornings like oh God, i mean most yeah. of my work has been in the afternoon and the evenings yeah so mm-hmm. i'm kind of not used to being out and about super early i mean it's the traffic crazy. was ridiculous and i was on my bike and still i couldn't get through some of the streets yep yep you got to be very courageous to bike in the city during traffic hours oh i mean yeah. i'm usually i'm used to it like sometimes in the the evening commute but in the morning it yeah. was just it's I, could, I literally could not get up some of the streets and then I was you're like a car you're just like I guess I was, I'll wait here yeah <laughs> I was, it was not it was not cute as the kids say yeah <laughs> um, so oh, goodness and that was that was interesting yeah I yeah. was auditioning for a role of someone who I think was kind of an asshole and I can I can kind uh, of be an asshole but I think it depends uh, on the it's, it's hard for me to t- I mean I feel like a lot of my anger is righteous but yeah. maybe everyone feels that way everyone feels their anger is righteous exactly you could have been angry about the traffic when you got there yeah I feel like 
like it's annoying though when people kind of complain about traffic and you could tell they're super like hurt by it and i'm like dude calm down like i mean everyone hates traffic but it's like calm down yeah. and people get way too worked up about people other people's driving and i'm like why don't you just speed up and don't deal with yeah. them anymore instead of some- complaining about it yeah. forever or do some more ride sharing or something or getting get fewer cars on the road i think that would be really nice i mean i try to do my part by not driving yeah and it, it still ends up being like no that still doesn't work sometimes yeah no you still gotta deal with it it's gonna get worse too yeah it's insane <laughs> yes indeed so okay. i wanted to mention that open up the show with a song by stormy gal flores who is a just an awesome person and a great musician. And that song was called something better. And that was off the album long lost son. If, if you go to stormy flores.bandcamp.com, you can find the album long lost son there. So wanting to promote that. Beautiful. And stormy Gale is also one of the producers of the fresh meat festival, which happens in the summertime. <laughs> and that's like the trans arts festival here yes. in, in San Francisco. Beautiful. So perhaps we will have stormy Gale on the show to talk about that yeah. as the summer, progresses because we're almost there yeah it doesn't look like it right now no it's kind of overcast yeah it's okay san francisco summer so oh no go ahead oh (laughs) so one positive story and i think the positive stories are really just like stopping problematic things from happening (laughs) um it's a cycle vice impact i'll read the headline nevada joins eight other states in flipping off anti-lgbt attitudes beautiful and this is in regards to so, so they're saying that also, like the Canadian government is saying that uh, uh, Canada said that they are sorry to everyone who's been discriminated against because of their sexuality, and so this is in Canada. That's how the article begins, and now that they're saying, um, so the Republican governor of Nevada signed a law that bans conversion therapy, a misguided and dangerous practice of trying to change someone's gender identity or sexuality. Uh, the new legislation will defend young LGBT people across the state. Nevada is now one of eight socially progressive states that have given the middle finger to anti-LGBT bigotry. Let's hope the other states follow suit because it doesn't look like there will be any federal oversight anytime soon. Mm. So that is good. Yeah, and I've, good. I've known people who have been in like the conversions and it's just like it's psychological oh. torture. Oh, God. Like imagine oh. going to some place and someone tells you that you're not who you are. Yeah. Like how do you? It just ugh, gross. It, it, yeah, it's disgusting. Gross is torture. It's yeah, it is torture. torture. It really is torture. So. so like trying to get information out of you that you don't have. You right. Know, they make people give false confessions. Yeah. It's essentially what you're doing. You're like, fine, I am what you say I am. Yeah. I mean, ugh. God, that's that's break. Oh, breaking your spirit, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Talk about goddamn. Yeah. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm hurts my brain yeah i'm sorry (laughs) there's also the the fulsome hunger strike and there's a media release about that and this is from it's going down if you check out that website which i appreciate very much so this came out yesterday yeah on may 16th inmates at old Folsom state prison made contact with the outside world to announce that they will begin a hunger strike on may 25th Mm -hmm. this announcement comes in response to ongoing mistreatment dehumanization and unbearable living conditions at old Folsom state prison hunger strikes are a last resort a measure taken by those who truly have no other way out they often come with high risks and heavy costs to prisoners Incarcerated people commonly face disciplinary actions, retaliation by prison officials, abuse, and further denial of their basic human rights during hunger strikes simply for exerting their free will and resisting their mistreatment. The danger of these 
uh, threats is compounded by the long-term health consequences and extreme physical weakness that accompany starving yourself in an environment that provides woefully inadequate medical care. In short, these prisoners will desperately need our support when incarcerated people take action to fight for their dignity, their rights, and their lives. Those of us on the outside must answer with solidarity. Our support is crucial in getting their demands met and minimizing retaliation against them. We must let these brave individuals know that we have their backs and that they will not be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday, the hunger strike began, and they have information to make phone calls as soon as possible. And there is the, the statement... It's long. We can read it, though. Yeah, if, I know. Yeah. I, I actually read that this morning. Okay. Yeah, Would you like, like to read it on the air? Right, here, let's see. I let's can, see. If you like yeah, to read it show on me. the air. Here's a statement from prisoners. Awesome. Let's see. Yeah. So, on May 25th, 2017, prisoners in Folsom State Prison, B4 ASU Administrative Segregated Unit in Repressa, California, have started a hunger strike to peacefully protest the conditions of their uh, confinement in the Administrative Segregated Unit. Prisoners have exhausted all reasonable remedies with no avail. Further, prisoners have attempted uh, to open lines of communication with administrative officials and met with only resistance and silence. Surprise. Folsom ASU is like stepping back in time to an era where prison officials blanketed the injustice uh, imposed on its solitary confinement prisoners and bluntly turned a blind eye to mistreatment and the stripping away of basic human dignity and elements. Um, as CDCR made drastic changes throughout its prison to put prisoners on roads of rehabilitation and more humans living, uh, more hu- uh, humane living conditions, Folsom officials rejected the ideals and continue the injustice of the past. To those reading who may find it hard to believe, just a few years ago, many will recall the same fight took place within the SHU uh, security housing unit. Um, the direction, message, and programs of CDCR implemented for long-term isolation to rehabilitate its ignored, shut out, and rejected here in Folsom ASU. Some might assume the impact of the struggle men endure within the shoe to gain fair, dignified living conditions would have a long-lasting effect, yet men stand again just as unified, ready to sacrifice their bodies, health, and life to achieve what has already been hard to uh, fought for and accomplished. Why must California prisoners continue to sacrifice health and life, involve lawyers and courts, in order to be treated like human beings? We will continue to remind uh, CDCR officials that they will be held accountable for this type of treatment. They have been forced to sit or stand idle in their cells or yard cages without meaningful exercise, education, or rehabilitative programs. We're already forced to endure atypical and significant hardships due to being in segregated housing and solitary confined. Uh, When taken together, these conditions continue cruel and unusual punishment under the U.S. Constitution. It's crazy. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. Thank God we have this now. <laughs> we all know this is kind of what happens in there, but how do we help? So I'm glad they have everything there for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah check that out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was, that's, it took me a while to read the whole thing. It's pretty long. I was reading it this morning and oh, yeah. getting my coffee. I was like, oh, God, thank God. <laughs> yeah. They're treated like shit. <laughs> yeah. So if folks want to call, you can call uh, the Chief Deputy Inspector General, Roy Wesley <laughs> at 916-255-1102. That's 916-255-1102. And they also have a list of other folks you can email and call, and court, including the governor, Jerry Brown, and his number is 916-445-2481. Uh, the Folsom Warden, Ron Rackley. His Man. email is ron.rackley at cdcr.ca.gov. 
And you can also call the prison itself at 916-985-2561. And they have a sample script here as well. So if you want to read this article uh, again and Mm -hmm. find these numbers and all these contact info, all this contact information, go to facebook.com slash weekly rev. And we have this article posted there with all that great information. So, perhaps we should take a music break. And then we'll be back with some more news and and some other things. So (laughs) much to talk about. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to talk about. Yes. So, stay tuned. You're listening to the weekly review here at Mutiny Radio. Yeah, yeah.
and welcome back. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey. So, a few more stories. Mm-hmm. We have a lot more stories. There's yes. never ending stories. Yes, yes. There'll never be a lack of stories here. <sighs> Hopefully, we'll have some good ones. What was it? Uh, Thailand that made uh, gay marriage legal? Oh, Taiwan. Yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, let's, very happy. <laughs> that is great. Let us find that article then. I know. I was, that's and what I've been trying to look for. I'm like, where did that one go? Yeah, there's a lot. I every that morning was one of the good I ones. Go through and find the look to find the positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, Taiwan court rules. Court rules in favor of same-sex marriage and historic first for an Asian country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you'd like to read uh, that, yeah, please ta- do. Please, yeah, of course. Uh, Taiwan's constitutional court has ruled that same-sex couples have the right to legally marry in the first such ruling to be handed down in an Asian country. The court, uh, known as the Judicial... Uh, I hate... I'm sorry. Uh, judicial Yuan... How would you say that? Y-U-A-N. Y-U-A-N. You, oh yeah, right? It's I'm sorry. Okay. Said current marriage laws were in violation of both the people's freedom of marriage and the people's right to equality. Amen. And it gave two years for legal amendments to allow same-sex marriage. So, uh, the, if uh, re- relevant laws are not amended or enacted within the next, uh, within the said two years, two persons of the same sex who intend to create the said permanent union shall be allowed to have their marriage registration effectuated, the court said. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender right activists have harbored high hopes for, uh, high hopes their years uh, of campaigning for sex, same sex marriage uh, would win the court's backing. Did that come out right? Yeah. Uh, the ruling Democratic Progressive Party that swept national elections in the self-ruled island last year support the change. The ruling clearing the way for same-sex marriage in, uh, is the first in Asia where socially conservative attitudes largely hold sway. So it's pretty awesome that they're doing it. You know, in a lot of Asian uh, Asian uh, countries, it's going to be a little harder. So. Uh, Taiwan, which China regards as a renegade province, has a famous annual gay pride parade that showcases the vibrancy of its lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. So that's cool. And I'm yeah. seeing here that it's the UN mm-hmm. or something close to that. Uh, and I had to look that yeah. up. Oh. So UN? Oh, UN. Yeah, UN. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Internet. Thank you. <laughs> we can speak. I'm going to have to be doing that. I hate butchering other names. Same. My, my name's pretty messed up, so I'm like, I'm sorry. I apologize profusely. <laughs> I know I'm not saying it right. Forgive me. Teach me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Good news. Good yeah. news. Yeah. And there's a, uh, a, on a side note, there's a clipping through the Hampton Institute, which I recommend folks like on Facebook, and they have a post from a couple days ago that's uh, from a 1924 newspaper. And it's a 1924 newspaper clipping headlining the Wobblies, which are the industrial workers of the world, uh, battling the KKK in Maine. And this is, uh, despite being erased from mainstream accounts and public school classrooms, the working class movement movement in the U.S. has a long history of confronting white supremacy and fascism head-on from the IWW and the anarchist-led labor movement to the Socialist Party of America and the Communist Party USA. Fighting capitalism and white supremacy was a significant part of the working class tradition in the early 20th century and needs to be again in solidarity. 
Yes. And they include here a, a, an article or a uh, the the clipping from February of 1924 from Maine. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So we really need to like learn the history too. Yeah. This has been happening for a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love the IWW. That was really my intro. I mean, I grew up thinking I was an anarchist and then realized, nah, I don't know about that. And I respect it. It's awesome. But uh, when I was like 18, 19 and introduced to the IWW, I was like, this is a good thing to represent. Organizing is good. (laughs) Yes, yes. Good, uh, hardworking people. Well, basic things. (laughs) Back each other up. Yeah. A lot of anarchists. I mean, the reason we have eight-hour days. I know. Exactly. It's to think, though, that that was considered like, oh, anarchy. Oh, no. Basic rights. (laughs) I mean, I'd like that. It's kind of given a bad name, similar to communism and folks who speak, you know, speak up in that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what we have right now is not, is not healthy. So (laughs) I'm all for alternatives. Exactly. If it's broke, you should fix it. Yep. (laughs) Pretty fucking broken. Yeah. I know. I'd be down. Or maybe it's actually, it's not broken. It's working the way it's supposed to, which is to keep folks in power yeah what do you call that <laughs> gross. gross i call it gross or capitalism or uh, yeah. racial capitalism exactly <laughs> so there's a, a little thing here i'm gonna read not it's not little Please. it's a it's pretty massive for the most part all these things are things. massive so this is um, hashtag free claudia uh, claudia uh, yes. Reda, and again i want to make sure i pronounce the name correctly and that's r-u-e-d-a r-u-e-d-a Reda. Rada? Eh, interesting. Um, yeah, Claudia Rada is a fierce immigrant rights activist who has advocated for gender and racial justice in California. She was kidnapped by Border Patrol days after they conducted a raid in her apartment complex, first taking her mother. After successfully advocating for her mother's freedom, Border, po- Border Patrol came back to the community to take her and other community members. Border Patrol out of our communities. Hashtag not one more. Hashtag free Claudia. Yes. God. So they have an right, update right here, here um, and ways folks can support. Again, there's a lot of this. So if you like the Immigrant Youth Coalition on Facebook, they have this info from yesterday. Free Claudia updates. Hi, all. Thank you for all that have supported Claudia's campaign. Claudia's attorney submitted her uh, prosecu- prosecutorial request yesterday in the afternoon. We were able to collect more than 90 support letters from loved ones, friends, elected officials, and organizations. More than 80 organizations have signed Claudia's petition. We have gathered more than 700 petition signatures, too. Today, we need help to keep up the pressure to ICE, to the ICE San Diego office. You can support today by making a call, and their number is 619-557-6117 and, or, or 619-338. 3707 and the script is uh, listed here you can also send a tweet and at, at icegov so that's i-c-e-g-o-v and it, you can say we urge san diego director archambault to grant claudia r a number 213-081-680 daca eligible youth discretion and release her hashtag free claudia i'm going to do that right now you can also sign the petition so um Yes, and uh, let's see. I just want to share this again on the Facebook page. So for folks who are listening right now, whatever time you're listening, oh, okay, it's going back on my Facebook page. That's great. And now we'll do it on the weekly review page as well. So if you go to facebook.com slash weekly rev, 
um, in a matter of moments. You'll be able to see this as well and find out ways you can support. Yep. And so whenever you're listening to this, if it's today, tomorrow, whenever, to to share this with folks. Free Claudia. Yes. Oh, God. Ridiculous. Yes. Yes, it is. It's people following orders. Yep. It's a waste of resources and time and people just trying to benefit society, even though they really shouldn't. I mean, I think we've read not uh, not too far from here. I want to say Monterey-ish. There was a little raid in a restaurant. The ICE homies were chilling, eating the food that these uh, people they were about to detain made for them. Mm. And then went in the back and raided the place and took like three or four employees. I need to find that story, too. That That's just... That's, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was in. Uh, yeah, that was in. Or was it somewhere? Like Minis- someone with an M. I'm I thinking like Min- Monterey. Or, oh, oh no, oh. was it in California or no? I was it was like, in a different state. See, that's why I need to find. I probably was in a different I'm state. Sure but it's, it's happening everywhere, though. Yeah, exactly, it's still an asshole move. Yeah. <laughs> You eat the food that yeah. they're making, and then you go arrest them. Let's come on. I know. Like, where is that? Let's find out. Oh God, ridiculous! And I think some of them were let back. Uh, I think. Imagine how scared they are coming back to work, though, after being detained. And luckily, they did have their papers. They just didn't have their papers on them. But. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ah, Michigan. See, that's Ma- it. Yeah, same. Ice time. agents eat breakfast at Ann Arbor Savas, then raid the kitchen. Mother, mm. I mean, we should be able to like fucking pinpoint who these ice agents are, <laughs> and then the folks in the kitchen should be able to like have their wit, like yeah, do what you they- want us to fucking serve you food. Oh, okay, we'll serve you. We'll serve <laughs> you food. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, the audacity. So, yeah. God. Yeah. So that, gross. That, that disgusted me. That That's a whole new level of asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, they're already assholes to yes. wake up and know what they're doing for a living. And then, ugh, God. Mm. What else? Ugh. So, something else. <laughs> there's yeah, a lot of other so, things. I know. This, there's an article that came out in The Guardian. Oh, and there's something else I'm going to get to, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, underpaid and overburdened, the life of a Facebook moderator. Testimony from those working to keep beheadings, bestiality, and child sexual abuse images off Facebook indicates that the support provided isn't enough. Ah. So, and that's... Look at that. There is literally nothing enjoyable about the job. You go into work at 9 a.m. every morning, turn on your computer, and watch someone have their head cut off every day, every minute. That's what you see, heads being cut off. That's how one man who wished to remain anonymous characterized his job as a content moderator at Facebook. We were underpaid and undervalued, said the man who earned roughly $15 an hour removing terrorist content from the social network after a two-week training course. Oh, hell Pictures, no. videos, profiles, and groups would be flagged either by users or al- al- algorithms to review, and his team would decide if they needed to be removed or escalated. Oh, my God. Every day, people would have to visit psychologists. Some couldn't sleep, or they had nightmares. Psychologists say that the emotional toll of looking at extreme imagery, whether violent terrorist acts or child sexual abuse, can be punishing. Workers exposed to such content should have extreme resiliency training and access to counselors akin to the support that first responders receive. However, testimony from those working to keep beheadings, bestiality, and child sexual abuse images off Facebook indicates that the support provided isn't enough. Mm -hmm. The training and support was absolutely not sufficient, said the analyst who worked at the company contracted by Facebook to moderate content. So there's a lot more here in this article, and this came out in The Guardian yesterday. 
Yeah. I believe it. That's ridiculous. 15 an hour. My God. The God. (laughs) Really, Facebook? You got. Yeah. How many homes you buying? Yeah, right? 15 an hour to give people nightmares. 15. Oh, God. That's insane. Oh, God. Facebook. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Yes. I'm pretty sure all those other techies could, you know, lose a dollar or two an hour. You know, put that into something else. Yeah. At least it'll be your company. (laughs) Come Mm -hmm. on. Hey, man. Come on. (laughs) Ridiculous. So there's another article I was going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Please. And also feel free to jump in if there's things that. Yeah. No, I'm like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes when I get going, it's like, oh, yeah. And then there's this. And then it reminds me of this story. Then this story. Yeah, exactly. Um, For the way. I don't really plan out the show ahead of time. There's ideas throughout the week of things I read. Yeah. And then I post them on the webpage and it's nice to have some kind of order and then, but it's really very random. And then, Oh, I think of this. And then there's this, and then there's this. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's how your mind connects things. You're like, yeah. this reminds me of this. Yeah. yeah. What other atrocities or terrible things are corporations doing? So yeah. this also has to do with, um, tech industry ish people, not yeah. companies, not treating their employees well. And this yeah. is from broke ass Stuart. Airbnb yeah. employees oh, speak yes. out about company bullying tactics and toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the day, I'm a couchsurfing fan at couchsurfing.org years and years ago, yes. not that long ago. Yeah. We're talking maybe 2000-somethings. Uh-huh. There was this, before the website, there was this idea of like letting some of the info be public, mm. and people were really against it. Uh-huh. And they ended up letting it be public, and then not too long after, Airbnb kind of arose. And I think Airbnb really took the model of couchsurfing. And originally with couchsurfing, you know, money is not an issue. It's folks who are able to offer a couch or a bed or a room yeah. without this idea of charging people. It's yeah. this idea, oh, sometimes you're able to share a space. Sometimes you're able to, if you need a place to stay, you can it's kind right. of, it's like the sharing, an actual sharing economy where, where capital is not involved at all. Yeah. You and Airbnb, meet people. <laughs> and yeah, you, you meet people, you explore and you share ideas and things. Airbnb is the kind of the opposite where you're making it, you're making money off your space and it's like commodity. Yeah. Commodity. And, yeah, it's like they the had to make thing. money somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same thing where instead of having someone stay who needs a spot to stay, it's like, how much can I charge someone? How yeah. can I most make money off this investment? And as we have seen here in San Francisco, it's been, there are so many places where people have been evicted and then people end up just renting out their space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for a short term. Uh-huh. Yeah, or for folks kind of coming in. Yeah, exactly. They get to live like, I mean, those Airbnbs are so freaking adorable, but it's funny when you, uh, there's like certain neighborhoods where I've been where uh, people that are from the area, they're like, yeah, all this is Airbnb now. Like none of the normal locals really live here anymore. It's like yeah. every house there's like two airbnbs it's like at least you know and i was like wow it's adorable and it doesn't look like that's what yeah. all the airbnbs are that you know they just bought up all the cute little neighborhoods yeah. and rent them out to travelers and you know yeah newcomers and if there weren't like so many if there weren't homeless folks and people who are being evicted then it wouldn't be an issue however when folks are getting kicked out of their their houses and people who have been here for decades Ever. yeah they're from here they're Can from they here and they stay? can't afford to live here nope nope because airbnb is yeah. not money to spend <laughs> so this article comes from broke ass stewart uh airbnb employees speak out about company bullying tactics and toxic work environment and this came out yesterday alex mack is the writer according to current and former employees the corporate culture at airbnb has become toxic over the last year in 2015 glassdoor ranked the company as the number one place to work in 2017, 
That ranking dropped to 35th, mm. making many, and many employees are speaking out. Wow. And thank you to everyone for speaking out, because yes. it's not easy. A person who has worked in Airbnb's food department for more than two years first approached us with grievances concerning companies' changing work environment. And when we reached out for more sources to confirm the story, many were all too happy to share. The original working culture at Airbnb was be a host to each other, but that's not how it is anymore, claims a source inside Airbnb who insisted on remaining anonymous. It's become a toxic work environment where management bullies the staff. I know several people who have left and several people threatening to leave. When we pressed for specifics, many complaints have been filed to HR against management because of bullying tactics and passive-aggressive management. At one point, people were even afraid to file for overtime, even if we were working longer hours because management was so hostile. Another Airbnb employee's email complaint about management was leaked to us. It voices concerns about a hostile work environment and suspicious of a management strategy to force full-time employees out. Screenshots, screenshots of the actual emails have been removed as requested by their original source for fear of re retribution. This is a company of belonging and inclusion. Everything our new management has done thus far, personnel-wise, has been the opposite of that. There's on, on another quote. There is a concern that upper management is not inclined to help tenured employees succeed and rather is doing everything they can to make certain people look bad and make them become frustrated. There is a business need to eliminate full-time employees and move towards all contracted employees. Yep. Several Airbnb food department employees felt there was a corporate strategy to push out full-time employees, FTEs, so that they might be replaced with cheaper contractors. A third, a third Airbnb employee sent us his feelings on the department. I saw a lot of my friends treated like dirt, manipulated, and exploited for their hard work while being completely ignored as contributing members to the team. We, worked, we looked at Glassdoor employee reviews to see if these trends existed in other departments. The reviews on Glassdoor are anonymous, so it should be taken with a grain of salt. But there is a clear trend of long-term employees speaking out against new management in several departments, many reviews complaining about inexperienced or uncaring management, as well as corporate structure that does not allow for upward mobility, which should come as no surprise given their business model of relying on cheaper part-time contractors as way of cutting costs and company responsibilities. There were, also, there were also, of course, many positive reviews from employees, and feel free to read them yourself at glassdoor.com. And then they've, in their article, they've also uh, concentrated, oh, below we've, con we've concentrated on reviews that brought up concerns with management, company culture, and growing pains in May of 2017, to which there are many in several departments. Yep. So if you go to brokeastdoor.com, you can find that full article there, as well as on our Facebook page. Yep. Yep, read that one this morning too. Yep. <laughs> of course, everyone's treated like shit in that type of company. I yeah. Mean, come on. I, I don't doubt it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened at Whole Foods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when I love how Whole Foods works. I have some friends that just got a job there and they're so full of life and they're just starting. And I'm like, oh, you just started working here, right? <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> and then I'm like, give it like a year or two and then you'll be like, oh, my soul. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. Uh. <laughs> they're not there to help you. I mean, not just Whole Foods, lots of companies, yeah, you know. Yeah, companies, I would say. Just, they're still or selling dress goals. Or big corporations, yeah. <laughs> Come on, it's, it's horrible, horrible. Uh, uh. Yeah, 
<laughs> no surprise. No surprise at all. Yeah. We got to change that, though. Indeed. I'm glad. I'm glad that it's even like the large tech companies that are realizing like, oh, wait, hey, it's not just, you know, labors like, you know, people work in restaurants and stuff, you know, they're pretty labor intensive. But it's like, oh, see, it sucks even when you get to sit in a fancy office with a computer. Yeah. You're still treated like shit. Yeah. And it's, it's not fun. And it's, it's like so- that trickle down oppression, too. It's coming from management. It's coming from yeah. it's like the, the upper <sighs> management. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Tell you, that's that's kind of awesome, though, that this is out there. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you're like, see, we're not just complaining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing, too, is that folks... And I mean, even like using the word complaining, it's more like yeah, um, speaking my truth yeah, about I, being oppressed or being mistreated. Yeah, I would like to be treated nicely. Yeah, That'd be cool. <laughs> it's a bit different than like, oh, my cereal's cold, which isn't a complaint. I don't know why that uh, yeah. came to mind. <laughs> but and yeah, sometimes it's a good thing when your cereal's cold. Yeah, it's just it's it's uh, to go into a work environment and to not be tr- and to be pressured into quitting. Yeah, that's a fucking real grievance. Yeah, exactly. That's real. It's true. Yeah, people usually quit bosses, not their jobs. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That always that's happened to me at quite a few jobs where I really like the job. I love my coworkers. I love the customers. But then there's something that management's always doing that's mm. just. And I was taught all my like worker rights at a young age, so like I know the moment someone's trying to fuck with my rights, and I'm just like, oh, like I'll give them like a chance, and then they'll just keep. It'll get worse and worse, and yeah. then you realize, oh, this is just how it is at a lot of places, you mm-hmm. know. They're just trying to make a buck off of your labor. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think especially like the larger the cup, the larger the companies and the corporations. And I've only worked at a few large corporations, mm-hmm. and they have been, yeah. That was like the most mis- I've had a lot of jobs uh-huh. and and worked in a lot of different environments and it has been like the the larger corporations that have where I felt like the most mistreated. Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. There's a lo- uh, larger ladder, but um I've worked at a few big places. Um I've noticed well when I've worked at small little coffee shops, they usually break really weird laws to cut corners and then you know, you feel bad because you know that they're like a small business owner. Yeah. yeah. And so you don't really want to do anything at first because you're like, okay, well, at least it's not Walmart. You know, right, it's right. not like they have all this money. And you're like, there's a reason they're being cheap. Yeah. They probably owe a lot of money. They're probably losing money. Yes. Yeah. But, and, you know, but that's why I'm like, well, that's, it sucks, but you need money to make money. So unless you plan on losing money for the first five years your business is open, you probably shouldn't open a business, which is sad. But that's how most restaurants and cat like, unless you're the shit you're probably going to get closed down but they they always try to cut corners in the most in really weird ways and not weird i mean i get it but it's like you know i always want to be like well you know at least you own a business i have to work for you Mm. and it's like i what do you think i'm i'm like i don't have money either like you know at least you get approved for a loan i if a lot of people i know they they wouldn't get approved for a loan you know and to me like that's a little privilege a lot of people don't see Mm -hmm. that they have because i'm like i mean a lot of people get denied loans just because of their name that's why i'm like i i need to change my last name to a more white sounding last name (laughs) and i'm like and my first name is really weird too so i can only imagine what they're like picturing in their mind and like it's yeah business owners like don't open a business unless you're going to treat your workers right because then if you treat them right your business will probably profit because you're going to lose money like with in the long run you know like 
all the laws they've broken with me. And then like, I know how much they owe. I'm like, you know, every day that you do this, that's a hundred dollar fine. Not even to me. That's like what mm. you're going to owe the mm-hmm. labor commissioner people. Mm. But I'm like, cause I'm going to get them involved. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to do it too many times. It sucks. <laughs> cause I tell them too. like, before I do anything, I'm like, you need to do this and this. Cause this is the law. Yeah. If you don't, luckily I know my way around. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should know their way around before working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) All the more reason for there to be more labor rights and for folks to organize. Yeah, exactly. When you have someone behind you, definitely makes it easier. Mm -hmm. Don't you join the IWW? Yeah. (laughs) They'll back you up. (laughs) Yeah. And this kind of goes to our next story a little bit. Uh, This was posted today or yesterday. Jacques Mm -hmm. Fresco, futurist who envisioned a society without money. Mm. Died at 101, and I hadn't really heard of him. And this is oh. from the New York Times, which I know is like it's mainstream. Uh, yeah. However, it's it's an obit, and yeah. they're good ideas here. Exactly. Sounds uh, cool. So Jacques Fresco, a self-taught and passionate industrial designer who envisioned an alternate society, alternative society where money would be eliminated and resources distributed equitably by computers. Okay, interesting. Died May 18th in Sebring, Florida. He was 101. 101. 101. His death is confirmed by Roxanne Meadows, his partner, who said he had Parkinson's syndrome and had recently broken a hip. So Mr. Fresco created the Venus Project, a 21 rural acres that he and Ms. Meadows acquired in South Central Florida in 1980 to pursue his quixotic plan, creating a resource-based economy that would rescue modern society from the ills of failed political systems <coughs> capitalism you can just fucking yeah. say it you can just say it just failed political systems i wonder i wonder which one in america you're fucking talking about thanks new york times thanks. can't fucking call it out come on call it what it is i got so angry right thank there. you got very angry i get it <laughs> um, okay so about two hours south of orlando he and Ms. meadows constructed domed buildings and other structures to showcase his ideas for energy efficient cities that would be built in circular arrangements they supported the project with $200 tours of the compound and by selling books and videos. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like to see an end to war, poverty, and, us- and unnecessary human suffering. I think it's all un- unnecessary. That's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I, I, get is... I get that, you know, we live and die, and that's... I guess suffering. Suffering is, um, suffering is impossible to avoid. He it said in an life. interview <laughs> on his website, but I can't see it in a monetary-based system where the richest nations control most of the world's resources. I cannot see that happening. I see a constant repeat of the same series of events. War, poverty, recession, boom, bust, and war again. He wanted all sovereign nations to declare the world's resources, clean air and water, arable land, education, healthcare, energy, and food, the common heritage of all people. In his so-called yes. resource-based economy, he said, people would get what they want through computers. He looked, up, he looked upon his plan as a practical, even inevitable response to the inequities rampant in the modern world. Mm-hmm. But he conceded that only a catastrophe would lead to the adoption of his concept. Uh, Economic collapse, he said, would demonstrate to people that elected politicians aren't competent enough to get us out of these problems, Hmm. and they will look to possible solutions. Of course. Robert Murphy, an associate scholar at the Mises Institute, which promotes the teaching of Austrian economics, wrote in 2010 that idealists like Mr. Fresco were wrong to blame our current dysfunctional world on capitalism on money per se. Fuck you. Instead, Mr. Murphy wrote, if property rights were respected by all... Okay, I'm not going to finish your fuck... Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. 
<laughs> Gross. Gross. Why are they even? I hope in like I don't I don't know like obits like who's got, ever gonna write whoever's ob- obituary. Yeah. Don't fucking quote someone who like disagrees like rude. with what you're like doing with your life. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's rude. I, but then again, I, I see about like, you know, if you're like a war criminal, when Karl Rove passes, I hope people are like, he was a fucking war criminal. <laughs> so, oh but okay, grow. Okay. okay. So Mr. Fresco's abiding faith in computers led him to say that they would someday run nearly everything, including government. Computers don't have ambition, he said. <gasps> they don't say, I want to control people. They don't have gut instincts. All right. So this person was born in Brooklyn. To Isaac Fresco, a horticulturist, and the former Lena Friedlich, a homemaker. Huh. Um, his parents wanted him to Sorry. be a sign painter. That's so cute. <laughs> and like early 20th century. Um, like his uncle, but he was devoted to studying mathematics, conducting that was science. Demoted? Pardon? Sign maker to, um, to mathematics. Oh, yeah, he's devoted to studying math- mathematics awesome. and conducting science experiments in the family bathroom. He did not like attending school and was often a truant. By his early teens, he was on his own. Let's read a little bit more. He hitchhiked to California, started a career as an aircraft and architectural designer, research engineer. Um, he predicted, um, may I help in any way? Do you have water? I do have water. It's also Yay. in my backpack. Success. Um, I know. I thought I had my water with me. Yeah. Yay. Um, Sorry. Don't apologize for me. Yeah, here you go. Thanks. Yeah. And he came up with positive solutions for the future, they say. And he believed fervently in science's power to transform life for the better. We have the technology to build a global paradise on Earth, and at the same time, we have the power to end life as we know it. Mm-hmm. I am a futurist. I cannot predict the actual future, only yeah. what it can be if we manage the Earth and its resources intelligently. Hmm. Smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. So perhaps uh-huh. folks can uh, take some inspiration from this person. Yes. Oh, yes. I'll hold that. <laughs> yeah. So... While we take a water break, we can play some more music. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the the Buzzcocks? About what was that? The Buzzcocks. Oh, I love the Buzzcocks. Okay, we'll play a few songs by the Buzzcocks. Yes. (laughs) In a punky mood.
Well, you tried it just for once, found it all right for kicks. But now you find out that it's a habit that sticks and you're an orgasmatic. You're an orgasmatic. Sneaking in the back door with dirty might seem. So your mother wants to know what all the stains on your jeans. And you're an orgasmatic. You're an orgasmatic. But you still keep a beat and you meet to pulp and you're an orgasmatic. You're an orgasmatic. You're a kicker sonova, you're a no-chose epitza. Live on a fucking yourself to death. Orgasmatic. You're an orgasmatic. Uh-huh. Alright, and welcome back to the Weekly Review! That was the Buzzcocks. Yeah. Good good times. Yes. <laughs> so you were just mentioning uh, Couchsurfing and how you met Casey Fenton, yeah. who was one of the creators of Couch- the Couchsurfing website. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's the founder of it. Um, when I first moved from uh, East Palo Alto to the city, um, I was dating someone who um, had met him at a show. And they hit it off because I guess he does some producing also. Okay. And so, um, yeah, he just let him stay at his humongous, gorgeous mansion, like off in uh, Hunter's Point by Ingalls. And it, I was very surprised when I first got there because, okay, honestly, even though I grew up here in the Bay Area, yeah, I had no idea what Bayview was. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. knew what Hunter's Point was. And that's about, and to me, like, when I'm in the Bayview, I'm like, this is like Hunter's Point. Like, it's the entrance to Hunter's Point, mm-hmm. but I guess it's got nicer 
over time, but <clears throat> so I get it. But yeah, that's that's where it was. And he was a nice guy, but that's always good to hear. Yeah, he's nice. He's nice. I mean, he wasn't charging an arm and a leg to let us live in this mansion. The only like th- deal was it's literally like three stories. It was like the first is the kitchen, and the next one was like a living room, and the next floor was like the bedroom. This thing was like out of a dream, and I was like, normally you would charge like five thousand a month here in the city for that, but we were paying like twelve hundred or some like unheard of like when i found out because i wasn't living there at first i was just dating and then i moved yeah. in and i was like wait you're paying how much because that's how much i was paying for like a one bedroom oh yeah this is a fucking mansion i'm like oh it's nice guy <laughs> it's nice when folks are able to do that <laughs> yeah right or, or i was... choose to do it because everyone's able, you know it's uh, yeah yeah <laughs> definitely could have made a lot more money <laughs> yeah so it's a lot about networking in the city mm-hmm Everything is networking. Yeah. So, so much of it is really literally who you know. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I think about that too. And like the times yeah. I've like opened up to people or I've decided to reach out and connect with people and been really grateful I did. Yeah. Because then it's like, you know, I met, you know, we met yeah. through Jasmine. And like if I hadn't met Jasmine, like it's, yeah. and even though we had mutual friends in common, there's still that chance we might not have met. Yeah. So I always feel really grateful when it's like, oh, I'm so glad that this person introduced themselves to me or vice versa, yeah. and we connected, and then... It pays off. Imagine if everyone, because I feel more often than not, we're isolated and taught to be very like individualistic. Yes, agreed. Definitely agreed. <laughs> and when we actually talk to each other, then it's like almost always better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you make one friend, but then you make a ton more friends, because whoever there's friends, you're a friend now. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so like, ooh, networking, hee hee hee. Sharing resources and ideas. Yes, precisely. Oh, man, that's definitely would help me find a place today. It was just networking. And again, Jasmine, like, introduced me to a lot of these, like, housing groups on Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, I've always... Like, when I look for a place, I'll type in Serrenta in Spanish, because that usually will pop up a, a Hispanic family, and they're more down to help another Hispanic. And um, yeah. what does Serrenta mean? Oh, Serrenta means for, for rent. Serrenta, okay. for rent. Serenta. So, like, okay. if you're on Craigslist, oh, okay. yeah, when you go on Craigslist and you put for rent, it's, like, crazy prices. But if you put in Serrenta, you'll mm-hmm. find a room for rent for 800 Okay. It usually goes, like, in a heartbeat, but, like, they exist, because, you know, it's the are the you know people helping each other because they're like oh you speak spanish so do i you could rent my place for really cheap oh right on <laughs> but yeah then uh you know jasmine introduced me to all those sites where it's like helping people of color in yeah, the bay yeah. and i'm like oh my god this that's how i found this place oh you know? excellent I'm like yes networking <laughs> oh wonderful <clears throat> so yeah oh we have a phone call yay talk <laughs> Hello, thanks for calling in. Hey, this is Arian from Irie from the UIO in Detroit, uh, trying to get a hold of Diamond Dave at the Common Thread Collective show. Oh, hey there. Um, Common Thread comes on a little bit later today, and Diamond Dave actually won't be, um, they're actually not going to have the show on, but you're welcome to speak a little bit. My name's Roman, and I'm here Hello. with Azalia. Hello. And you're welcome to speak oh, a bit. Wow. Yeah, on this show. <laughs> Cool. Hi, Ree. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, live on stage at the UIO uh, nonprofit. It's a grassroots community organization near Fireweed University and Dr. Bob's uh, Psychedelic Shack. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, friends with Diamond Dave and uh, have been planning on doing an interview or 
awesome conversation for quite some time. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's, he'll be back uh, next Friday. And the show is on from from 3 to 6 Pacific time. So if you wanted to call back then to speak with him, uh, you're welcome to. And you're also, if you'd like to right now, to speak a little bit about the organization that you're with, you're welcome to. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, since, uh, you know, I got here in 2012, Detroit had really hit the tank and went bankrupt for a number of years. Ah, yes. And it's back, it's back on back on the rise again. We've been taking over abandoned houses and turning them into communes and squatter houses. Yes. Yay! Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have a whole warehouse now, too, called the Universe Building, and also a school bus. So nice. we're, uh, we're operating a venue and a rebuilt Detroit Center and uh, opening a coffee shop bakery. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, the Detroit. We just reopened the Detroit Food Not Bombs chapter this year, 2017. They're coming later today at seven o'clock. Excellent. Well, yeah, that's dope. It's, it's about 4:20 right now in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so I'm gonna have to go real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. They're all coming over in about a couple hours to prep some uh, vegan food for. We're serving at Pope Park in Hamtramck. Uh, oh, yes. More uh, ethnic, or more diverse, you know, population. Mostly Muslim people live in Hamtramck area. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, we're pretty active. This weekend is a huge Memorial Day electronic arts festival called The Movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Bob's hosting a big party out at the Psychedelic Shack all weekend. Oh, sweet. Very cool. Dude, sounds great. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks for, for calling in. Yeah, man. You go yeah, visit for Chicago. Sure. If you want to check it out, uh, it's called The Universe Building. The Universe. UIO on Facebook. Okay. Also, check out Dr. Bob's The Psychedelic Healing Shack is also another Facebook page you could check out. Great. Thanks. Awesome. And yeah, and this show is called The Weekly Review and we're on uh, Mutiny Radio, so the same station as Common Thread Collective and we speak with community organizers and activists and go over current events and sometimes scream about them and then also uh, find <laughs> solutions and and celebrate folks who are doing the work to undo the systems that we live under. Yes. Thanks for doing your part, man. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Uh, I miss I miss San Francisco. And tell Diamond, tell Diamond Dave I'll try to call in when he's when he's back in. Will do. And, and your name again? Uh, Irie. From Irie. UIO. Great. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Right on. For sure. Take care. Peace. 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 Cool. Thank you. It's great to get callers. And yeah. Yeah. Right on. That's so great. Yeah. Turning turning houses into fucking communes. Hello. Wow. That's what it's about, right? Yes. To put it out into the universe. Yeah. You know, what can we do to rebuild the world as we as it could be? Yeah. Literally rebuild it. Yeah. <laughs> I know they have a lot of undeveloped stuff out there. It's pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, government's not doing its part, so let's do it ourselves. <laughs> Shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's pretty ironic how in other parts of the, the U.S., the government kind of refuses to actually finish things, whereas here in San Francisco, it's like on a 
it's like on drugs how quickly things get built up oh yeah without permission you're like we don't want we're done with building why don't you go fix pennsylvania or something you know they got a lot of building to do we don't need more yeah (laughs) we need people to give us housing yes (laughs) affordable housing sorry (laughs) indeed yep so this is I can't make a real good segue for this next story. Yeah, let's just do it. Thanks. Glad you're here, Azalea. Thank yes, you. I love it. So this article comes from the Columbia. Columbia. I'm in a weird position right now. Yeah. For the for the listeners out there, just guess what position he's in. I'm just. I have the laptop on my lap. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And I usually have it on top of the board, and I'm just. Anyway, getting cozy here. Columbia Journalism Review. So if you go to cjr.org, a disgusting slap in the face. Reporters must stop misgendering trans murder victims. Oh, yes. So this was written by Nico Lang, and it came out yesterday on the 25th. Um, Chavis Che Reed is one of the 10 transgender women killed so far this year. Reed, a 28-year-old living in Miami, was shot last month as she was crossing the street. Her assailant fled before police arrived. Her murder follows the brutal slayings of women like Alfonza Watson, 38, Jamie Lee, Wounded Arrow, 28, Tiara Richmond, 24, and Aquarius Holland, 18. This year's excruciatingly high death toll is on par with the historic 27 trans people killed in 2016, Mm. most of whom were transgender women, women of color. After Reed was killed, her, a friend texted Don Ennis, associate editor for LGBTQ Nation. Oh my God, it's happened again. Ennis said that her friend's disappointment didn't merely stem from another trans life ending in tragedy. It was that the media got it wrong. Like many trans people whose lives are taken too soon, Reed's gender was initially misidentified in local reports surrounding her death, which referred to the victim by the name on her birth certificate, not the one she used in daily life. The same thing happened to both Tiara McElveen, 25, and China Gibson, 31, who were killed days apart in New Orleans in February. <sighs> Unlike McElveen, Gibson was identified as a trans woman, but breaking reports of the homicide used her legal name. Trans people are more likely than any other group in the U.S. to be victims of a hate crime, according to a 2016 report from the New York Times. They are also disproportionately likely to be killed because of their identity. The Human Rights Campaign says that transgender women are four times more likely than non-trans women to be murdered. How journalists report on violence against this population is critically important to the dignity of a vulnerable community. To misgender and incorrectly name trans murder victims can imply that that the lives these women fought to live aren't worthy of respect even after they die. Many LGBTQ advocates claim that leaving out these basic facts about their identities is a form of erasure, one that only compounds the pain and trauma the trans community already feels when yet another woman becomes a headline. Misreporting the victim's gender adds insult to to grievous injury. (sighs) Next part is the trouble with police reports. Ah, let's get there. (sighs) How do newsrooms determine the gender identity of trans murder victims? It's a complicated process, but one that begins with police stations, says Mike's Meredith Tallison. What happens is that the initial reports are taken from police and medical examiner's reports, says Tallison, a trans woman who serves as an editor-at-large for the digital publication. 
News outlets unthinkingly report the legal name and gender of a person who has died without actually asking questions about how the person lived their life. It's only when the news report comes out and people close to the person see that they're, they've been incorrectly identified that the misgendering is reported. When someone dies, it's very rare for the local media to do anything other, other than what the local police are reporting, she adds. In addition to the fact that news reports sometimes must be turned around in a matter of minutes, often by reporters with onerous workloads, many transgender women may not have changed their name or a gender marker on legal documents, including their birth certificates and identification. When their bodies are discovered, the victim's driver's license may not accurately reflect how they lived their life. May Rude, the trans editor at LGBTQ website Autostraddle, explains that changing your documents is extremely difficult, especially for a community that faces high rates of poverty. When Rude went through the name change process, she says it cost around $500. A lot of trans women can't afford to legally change their name or gender marker, Rude says. The process can be as complicated as it is expensive, and it varies by state. Some states require a transgender person to complete gender confirmation prior to changing their documents, while others stipulate a note from a doctor. In Alabama, for example, a trans person must present proof of surgical transition to obtain a birth certificate that matches their gender identity. The state offers an amended version of the prior document, but does not seal the old one, meaning law enforcement could still gain access to it. This could lead, that could lead to trans murder victims being misidentified as cross-dressers or men in dresses, even after they've updated their documents. What's really happening is that the police are giving the journalists incomplete information, and the journalists are not checking up to verify the information is true, says Autumn Sandine, a reporter for San Diego's LGBT Weekly. It's a sign of sloppy journalism, but it also speaks to the fact that trans people like me, our lives are not considered authentic. That's often highlighted in death extremely harshly. A lot of the time, it's not malicious, Rude adds. Journalists are trying to do the best job they can, but these mistakes ignore the humanity of trans people. What it means to be misgendered. As these incidents show, there's a lot of work left to be done to ensure trans stories are told honestly and respectfully. Some news outlets have taken steps to address that problem. Other publications may choose to follow and learn from these, those guidelines. Mark Lorando, editor of the New Orleans Times Picayune, sent out an email to staff after its reporting misgendered McElveen. Lorando writes that the Times Picayune had worked diligently to develop a new gender and sexual orientation policy, one that is designed to ensure accuracy and consistency while safeguarding against language that inadvertently marginalizes or stereotypes any member of the LGBTQ community. The email, which contained a common glossary of terms used to identify members of the LGBTQ community advises reporters to use the term transition to describe an an individual's process of gender confirmation rather than sex change, which is outdated. The Times Picayune (sighs) suggests using the term transgender in place of transsexual and crossdresser instead of transvestite. The Mm -hmm. style guide stresses that journalists should not use the word transgendered, which Mm -hmm. is grammatically incorrect, and says Mm -hmm. that the subject of a piece should only be identified as trans if relevant to the story. Mm -hmm. Lorendo declined an interview request with CJR to discuss how the mistake was made and the follow-up memo. 
Not all publications take the same approach. The Kansas City Star stood by its newsroom policies after Tamara Dominguez, a 36-year-old trans woman, was misgendered in the publication in 2015. Following criticism from transgender advocates, Derek Donovan, the paper's public editor, explains the Star's reasoning in an editor's note. He writes that when the publication received the police report noting Dominguez's death, law enforcement called the victim by her legal name, with a brief reference to her alias. Because the subject of the piece is deceased, Donovan adds that it's impossible to get a first-hand answer to the question of her lived identity. It would have been premature and ultimately journalistically unsound to make an assumption. Any assumption, writes Donovan. Mm -hmm. Although the star removed gender-specific references to the victim, the report continued to refer to Dominguez by her birth name. Managing editor Craig Farmer declined to further comment on the paper's decision-making process when approached by CJR via email. The Cleveland Plain Dealer, which met with representatives from GLAAD in 2013 after two reports of misgendering 20-year-old 20 20 Simia Eckhoff, also did not respond to requests for comment. CGR reached out to its editorial staff via email. Eckhoff's name and pronouns still have not been updated in the original reporting, despite receiving an open letter from the LGBTQ media watchdog group urging the paper to address the issue. Mm-hmm. And the article goes um, down further, and I'll be just going to skip down to some more. Uh, 99% of the time when a trans woman is murdered in the U.S., the way people find out is because of trans women on Twitter, Rude says. Mm. And further down, this is quite a long article, so again, I recommend folks check it out. It's at cjr.org. Moving further down, let's finish up the article here. There's a lot more information. Um, GLAAD, which first unveiled a media reference guide with expanded trans terminology back in 1999, works with, works with publications and newsrooms to bring them up, up to speed on LGBTQ issues uh, as language and identity continue to evolve. 18 months later, Adam said that the demand for that information is overwhelming. He jokes that he has no hair and a gray beard because his phone has been ringing off the hook for the past three years with journalists and editors calling with him with questions. The transgender media program, which was founded two years ago, allows Adams to devote all his time to answering those que- those queries. There's been an increase in the qual- quantity and quality of the questions we get asked from journalists who want to do a better job of telling transgender stories, says Adams. That has really, really changed a lot. So, there's a lot of info there. Yeah, definitely. A lot to think about. <sighs> yeah. Definitely. Erasure. You don't exist. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And also, yeah, if people weren't being <coughs> murdered in the first place, it wouldn't be. We wouldn't have to yeah. write the obituaries. We wouldn't have to write the stories. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, it's terrifying. It is so terrifying. Just to be out in public is. It, oh God. The amounts are so depressing. Yeah. Like, don't die. Don't go outside, essentially, because it happens. It happens everywhere, even like places where you s- they seem a little bit more liberal. But for some reason, the fact that they exist out and open, it it upsets people, and they let it out on the wrong person. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be let out on anybody, but it's so close-minded, mm-hmm. they don't understand. <laughs> That's usually why people get angry. <laughs> Instead of trying to understand it, they just get angry. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, come on. Uh, I don't get it. I'm glad I don't get it. It's just really depressing. Unnecessary. Yeah. They're usually oh. the best people out there, too. Yeah. They're getting hurt for no reason. For no reason. <clears throat> Other than existing. Yeah. Mm, that's a sin, apparently. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, uh, there's this book that um, I was reading about. Well, there's an interview with the author, but um, it's called uh, Not Straight, Not White. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And yeah, that one. It's awesome. It's a student interview with Kevin Mumford. She should read. But I'm just going to read like an intro. Yeah. <clears throat> But um, it may seem surprising that Kevin Mumford's uh, not straight, not white, black gay men from the March on Washington to uh, the AIDS crisis is the first monograph to focus exclusively on the history of black gay men in 20th century United States. But after you read Mumford's account of the <clears throat> nearly insurmountable struggles that this, his subjects faced in formulating their identities as black gay men, the challenges confronting the historian of their experience becomes clear. I assigned not straight, not white to students enrolled in my spring 2017 graduate undergraduate seminar, The History of Gender, Sexuality, and the Body, because it hit on key themes for the second half of the 20th century, including the civil rights movement, gay rights movement, and the impact of HIV and AIDS. In addition, it retold the events through the lives of casts of characters almost completely unknown to my students. Although I came to class with foreknowledge about the lives of Baynard Rustin and James Baldwin, I had just as much to learn as my students did about Mumford's less famous historical subjects like Brother Grant Michael Fitzgerald, Joseph Beam, and James Tinney. Mumford's book offers a much-needed recuperative history of a marginalized community retold through a series of indelible portraits of courageous men, many of whom died far too young. As the students' questions demonstrate, the stories of these men will stick with the readers long after they close the book's covers. So, yeah, and he started it uh, with a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. And, yeah, he had done work, uh, wanted to work on Joseph Beam papers, um, but then wrote a full-scale biography on a bunch of different people. Um, But it shows a very repressed, I mean, like, you don't know anything about these people, which is the reason. I mean, this just came out yesterday, too. So I was just reading about it. I'm like, yeah, you, you don't hear about any of these people that have the, their activists, but they just mm-hmm. you never you never hear their names. And they've done so much to given their lives, a lot of them. And so definitely got to check that out. It's called Not White, Not Straight, Black Gay Men. <laughs> Beautiful. <That's> great. <laughs> I love it. I know. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> yeah. It's a great interview. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> well, let's maybe take a bit of a music break. Okay. Um, I want to give a big thank you to folks who have, we've gotten some recurring donors to the show and some one-time donors. I want to give a thank you to folks. Uh, thank you to Praveen and Janice and Kim mm-hmm. and Blythe and Michael Bookert with Ritual Cannabis uh-huh. and working yeah. on some sponsorship. And um, Jake and a big thank you just for folks who are able to contribute and uh, folks who are also listening. If you're interested in contributing to the show, we're looking for recurring sponsors. And you can go, we have a Patreon page. We go to Patreon and then it's Weekly Rev. Uh, or feel free to contact me if you're interested. We're happy to accept recurring or one-time donations. Any any amount mm-hmm. helps and we really appreciate we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a super non like there's no profit it's not like there's a non-profit but we, we pay to rent the space so yeah. it's a love of labor and we do it to provide an alternative to corrupt law enforcement's perspectives to big corporations and to yeah. many folks in government who the folks who are paid to represent us and protect us often do the opposite so it's mm-hmm. all the more important that folks speak up and speak out against these folks in positions of power and we can't do that without mm-hmm. without support from folks yeah 
helps out. So thank you very much for yeah. the folks for supporting us. Definitely. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, would you like to request any music? Hmm, let me think. What have I been? Oh, I don't know. I've I've been in a uh, house music type of thing. Okay. You like Daft Punk? Sure. Yeah. I know a few of their songs, but more like mainstream other songs. Yeah. So are there any ones that you in particular uh, would like to hear? No, whatever mainstream. They're pretty great. I mean, there's quite a few. I know more of their newer things. So tell me, what do okay. you have there? I mean, Around the World was... Uh... Of course. Of course. <laughs> That's, uh, this is like a, a long one. So we'll play a bit of this and then get back to some more news. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> I'm like, it's just stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzcocks, Daft Punk.
the legend of the phoenix <laughs> all ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning uh, the force from the beginning And welcome back. That was a tour of Daft Punk from 1997 to 2001 to a couple years ago. (laughs) Three very abridged versions of their music songs. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're so catchy. They are. They very. Their songs are very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Can't hate. Cannot hate. Yeah. (laughs) Those helmets. (laughs) Those helmets. (laughs) So good. So what are you thinking about? <laughs> there's a few more stories. There's like, oh, there's never ending stories. Yeah, I know. I'm like, which There's one? a few headlines. One is from The Root. Mm-hmm. Home Depot co-founder thinks people use food stamps to buy marijuana and cocaine, <laughs> which you cannot do. <laughs> no. Sometimes you can't even get hot food with food stamps. Yep. So this person is totally, should not. Just misinformed. So don't go to fucking Home Depot. Do not support this person. Yeah. Fuck that's, Home Depot now. So that's that's our one boycott of the yeah. and or, you know, contact them. And cause I'm sure there are plenty of people <laughs> who work at Home Depot who are awesome. So it's more like the yeah. just the the top, the top <laughs> as it is. Uh, yeah. That's incorrect. Yeah. That's horribly. It's all it's just all, it's all. Ugh. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. Weird. So I know, um, well, obviously, like you said, you can't get hot food with uh, food stamps. Um, but places you can go where you technically can't get hot food are uh, 
Burger King, uh, maybe McDonald's or Taco Bell or Jack in a Box. Uh, so that is the hot food you get if you're yeah. homeless or very poor and can barely afford right. food. That's, that's yeah, that's what they're serving you. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the hot food at Whole Foods is not covered under that. No, yeah, is... no, not at all. Not at all. And you know what? A big fuck you to Whole Foods, because when I worked there, <laughs> you would see people that are obviously not doing too well yeah. come in and they'd get hot food not knowing that it's not allowed. Yeah. And I would just ring it up as a cold salad. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Like, they, they deserve some good hot food sometimes. That should, I mean, that should be the thing. Yeah. They should fuck people. At whole, I mean, that's something that needs to happen is that yeah. folks in supermarkets where they do that need yeah. to recognize that they, that's what needs to be done. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's overpriced as is. Yeah. They're already making a killing. Yeah. You know, like their food stamps aren't. forty nine a pound. Yeah. Oh my God. It's insane. It's ridiculous. The cheapest thing you can get at Whole Foods in that part is bacon because bacon doesn't weigh much. Okay. But that's, I know. Like, I don't times, eat bacon, but yeah, that's good yeah. to know. I know. Say no, a lot of people don't eat meat, but if you're really, really broke, you could get like three pieces of bacon for like a dollar fifty, and that's like what i live off of sometimes i'm like i'm broke i'm gonna eat bacon today <laughs> give myself some protein or you know but yeah it's that's i know i i know i had a few friends when i worked there that would do the same like you know they'd make sure there's no management around yeah and just type in it and it's honestly i think it's just taxed like you know cold food isn't taxed and hot food is so it's like you know it's a small percentage but give them fucking food they deserve a hot meal once in a while it's not like they're going to whole foods every day because their food stamps would not last if they went to whole they, foods maybe every like day. three days yeah exactly exactly it long it really doesn't uh-huh ridiculous yeah. oh, gosh so let me get other headphones maybe they were acting up oh yeah so another positive news story though from a corporation that's kind of flipping and doing positive things is Ooh. ben and jerry's yeah and so in australia this is from a huff Post, although there's, this article has been around in a lot of different sources as well, written by James Michael Nichols, uh, Ben and Jerry's bans same flavored scoops until Australia passes marriage equality. No marriage equality, no same flavor scoops. <laughs> ben and Jerry's it. is coming for Australians' taste buds, announcing a pledge that no one in no one in Oz. Oh, can I was like oh, I read it as like ounce. Yeah, I'm like no one in. Uh, okay. so, <laughs> Abbreviation. No one in, ounce, no, okay, no one in, uh, in Oz can order two scoops under the same flavor until marriage equality becomes law in the land down under. Ben & Jerry's currently operates 26 stores across the nation and is placing the ban on same flavored scoops as a statement of opposition to the country's stance on same-sex marriage, where it is currently illegal for two men or two women to wed. Ugh. The ban is part of the company's push for global LGBTQ rights. Currently, 70% of Australians support same-sex marriage, huh. and the push for its legalization is an ongoing conversation in the country. <clears throat> we are proud to be standing alongside the Equality Campaign to continue to fight for marriage equality in Australia. Imogene Rugg, Ben & Jerry's Australia spokesperson, said in a statement to HuffPost, Ben & Jerry's has a long and proud history of commitment to social justice, including LGBTQI rights and marriage equality. This commitment is grounded in our company's core values and an unshakable belief that everyone deserves full and equal civil rights. Yep. Marriage equality for all. And they have a picture. That's nice. <laughs> That's cute. Great. <laughs> Did Ben and Jerry start here in the city? Vermont. Yeah. Oh, in Vermont. Yep. I just always think of that one that's right on the corner of Haight and Ashbury. Or is it on Haight and Masonic? Oh, there's a, yeah, there's a Ben and Jerry's yeah, on Yeah, that cute one that looks like it's been there forever. Yeah. It's probably been there a while. Yeah, I know there's like Mitchell's is here from here and Double oh, yeah. Rainbow. And oh, yeah, Mitchell's other. is amazing. Uh, it's It's. 
it's San Francisco. Shit. Yeah, that's, ice cream treats. Uh huh. My mom always talks about it. Having gone there and she was a kid too. It's oh god, the avocado ice cream is actually really good. I bet I love those things. I don't like. I don't know if I've had it, but I do love avocados and I do love ice cream. Right, and it's actually yeah. You would think it'd be a little funky, but it's they got it right. It's kind of like at the, the Stinking Rose. They have garlic flavored ice cream. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, I love garlic and I love ice cream. Yeah, I, I my food aside from being vegetarian, vegan leaning, my mm-hmm. food palette is pretty open yeah fun fact about me that's as much as i will reveal i'm pretty <laughs> tight-lipped about a lot of things yeah like a little bit <laughs> um, fun fact i like ice cream yeah <laughs> and all the better when it's you know the, ben and jerry's has some really good non-dairy flavors yeah that's true frozen so yogurt they've trials. got the um Which they've ones? got uh like a it's made with like almond milk and Beautiful. so it's mm. they have like a brownie one, chocolate brownie one that's good. They have like a peanut butter cookie, I think, or something with peanut butter oh. in it, which I love. Oh heck yes! I think there's like a chunky monkey one that's also <gasps> non dairy. Oh sweet chunky monkey! All of them that I've face. tried, they have like so they've got like at least three or four non dairy versions. So I recommend folks try those out. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's vegan. Good company. <laughs> vegan, vegan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things for me, dairy. Oh, I love cheese. Yeah, there's <laughs> some like they're working on that. The vegan cheeses have gotten better over the years, and that's they're good. still. That's one thing that was really hard for me when yeah. I I was vegan for a bit, but I just avoided all cheese because mm-hmm. fake cheese is not cheese. Yeah. Well, at least back then, that was like four or five years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think so. they're still working on it. Like the I feel like mm-hmm. the fake meats they've gotten real good. Yeah, and definitely. Then the cheese is just they're still working on it. So. Okay. Well, hopefully you guys get it right, because I'd be down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to do a, a brief plug for a show that had happened last night, and it's also happening again tonight at Laney College, and that is... Oh, yes. Um, the Four Colored Girls. Yes. And yes. I wanted to pronounce the, the author's name correctly, ah. and I doubt that I will. Ah, we Mitozaki forgive you. Sh- oh, I know. I am... Uh, spell it out spell it out <laughs> n-t-o-z-a-k-e and then the last name is s-a-n-g-e and that's uh, for colored girls and this is a 2017 direct effect art action and that's hosted by spectrum queer media and we've had ken folks who's one of the co-founders of spectrum queer media on the show and ken folks is involved with this production a lot of great performers and this is happening tonight it happened last night it's also happening tonight which is may 26th uh, doors are at five and the show is at six and this is at the odell johnson theater at laney college 900 fallon street in oakland and you can get tickets at four colored girls and there's also a facebook event um, where you can find out more info about that so again tonight at 5 p.m doors are at five and the show is at six and this is the 40th anniversary of four colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough and there is a lot of information here on the website and so folks can check it out please do check it out yeah i know i know you just donate your tickets too right for those who can oh yeah folks who yeah yeah, folks have also donated some tickets so if Mm you are unable to um please check out the website and the event invite um, because there are some tickets available for folks Mm -hmm. uh they say that if we ask folks participate in our ticket donation drive to give tickets to the to the art action to marginalize women and youth in programs serving their wellness for more details about this three-day action or to purchase a ticket uh, donate please visit www.spectrumqueermedia.com so that's some more information for folks So that's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's happening tonight. Yeah. And yeah. Did you go to the one yesterday? Uh no, I'll be going tonight. Yeah. Tonight? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh. 
I know I want to go. I have to work until 11. Oh. <sighs> Capitalism. Capitalism. It's to blame for most things. Yep. Gotta, gotta pay for things. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> There's another article here. Security services missed five opportunities to stop the Manchester bomber, and that they've been saying that too. That there, I briefly saw that. Were folks, yeah. Oh, God. Sources suggest that authorities were informed of the danger posed by Abedi, on, and that was the person uh, who did the the suicide bombing, um, and at least five separate occasions in the five years prior to the attack. <laughs> Authorities were also aware that Abdi's father was linked to a well-known militant Islamist group in Libya. And now I've seen that his father was detained. And so there's, yes, just more information on that. Yeah, more information on that. There's a lot to say. There's also, of course, with a lot of these attacks, there's attention being paid to these attacks and not so much on the drone strikes and other attacks that have happened that have killed a lot of civilians mm-hmm. so also i think it's crucial to to speak about that yeah exactly people do things for a reason sometimes not a righteous reason but i gotta understand both both sides and also what does the media pay attention to and who who you know people are mourning you know, mm. the folks at the concert and then not mourning the civilians who are murdered in war. Yeah, daily. Exactly. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because it seems to be so... I mean, terrorism is still... It's a thing here, but we're, for the most part, the terrorists are the police. But in other countries, I mean, it's it, it happens all the time. You know, people get tired of it. And that's mm-hmm. what's... You know, I look up news, like world news, all you see is bombing, bombing, bombing. Or, you know, so it's, like it's... Because that's for the most part, that's what happen. That's what's happening in the world. But people become so like just concentrate on the U.S., which I get. Mm-hmm. But it's there's still a lot yeah. of shit going on out there. Yeah, or numb to it. I mean, it's like yeah. the same in the city, walking down the street and seeing folks on the street, and yeah. then I myself am part of that too, where yeah. I might be able to talk to folk, someone here and there, or mm-hmm. give some money when I'm able to, or food, and it's still endless. Yeah, and at some point, sometimes I'm just I can't engage. I cannot participate in this. There's too much work to be done for one person to do it. That's why you need... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is not the best story to end on, but just a brief note. So you hear about the the guy who won the candidacy in Montana who body slammed a journalist. Oh, yes. Not only did he fucking win, but apparently he also has ties to accuse white supremacists. That's right. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. And he has been donated lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, he's donated money to Taylor Rose, who the Southern Poverty Law Center has described as a white nationalist, and Robert Saunders, who allegedly has a history of espousing anti-black racist views. He's also linked to Idaho preacher Douglas Wilson, who has suggested in his writings... Ugh, just fucking gross. Just gross. All these people, just horrible humans. So that's who he's giving his fucking money to. Yeah. And so folks are speaking out against this governor, and perhaps... We can we can take this as here's someone in a position of power, we're, which we're no stranger to people in positions of power who are pieces of shit. There we go. Oh, sorry, that, just, that works. Sorry, who are against the people that they are supposed to represent? Supposed to represent, and how can we combat this? How do we speak out against this? How do we get them out of power? 
So perhaps here's, there's been plenty of governors who have been really, or are still in power, who are really problematic, mm-hmm. and here is one more of them. Yep. And perhaps we can look at this on, a, on many levels. Well, what can be done at the different levels to get these people out of power? Yeah, please. So let's put that let's, out to the universe. Yes. People what standing do do? up against it. And a lot of people don't want them in power, so we need to remember that it's not just the minority. It's yeah. the majority of folks. Just because he won an election doesn't mean that by any means he represents the people or yeah. that he's good for the people or that we want him in power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank oh. you. So, putting that out in the universe for folks to continue to speak up, whatever that means, whether it's at your company mm. that you work for, whether mm. it's for elected officials, if mm. it's like against the fucking police or people who are harming harming yeah. you. Fuck authority. Question authority. Question, yeah. Question, and then fuck them later in case. <laughs> yeah, if they are harming if, you, <clears throat> yes. then definitely speak up and yeah, if you're able and get the word out because, you know, it's that's that was something else that happened with that was mentioned in one of the. They also played a few other like short documentaries and and films at the the festival, mm-hmm. and one was about how you know if a, if a cop is abusive towards one sex worker, they're obviously going to be abusive towards others as well. And it's crucial for folks to be able to, to speak up about it and to believe, mm. be believed and to be validated for their experiences. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So oh, I commend everyone who is speaking up yes. no matter what situation you're in. It's not easy. Yeah. And society, like it's, you know, whistleblowers and folks who are, you know, there's a lot of victim blaming that happens in this culture. So I really want to just send out a lot of gratitude mm-hmm. for the folks who speak their truth Thank you. and speak up. Thank you. Cause yes. you're doing that mm-hmm. not just for yourself, but for the greater good. Yeah. And they get it. That's why they do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not just you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, we're just about at two o'clock. Uh, uh, so Global <laughs> Val will not be in this week. She will be in next week, as well as the Common Thread Collective will also be off this week. So we'll be playing some music and putting on some older shows. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yay. Thank you, Azalea, for being here.